Hey, what's up, you guys? Does capitalism get you down? Does the constant pressure to be productive get to you? Are you tired of being a cog in the machine? Then we invite you to be part of the revolution against toxic productivity by embracing the useless <laughs> things. Welcome to episode 64 of the Very Unimportant People podcast. Do less. I'm your host, Lydia, and this week, in an absolute move of bravery, I conned someone into getting me $100 tickets to a Tyler the Creator concert last minute. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing feat. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and my name is Courtney. I'm your other host. And this week, I got pranked by my cat. Oh, cat prank. prank! Tell me about the cat prank first. She tricked me. Um, basically, <laughs> I had to get er- up early on Thursday morning to drive a friend to the airport. Mm-hmm. And so upon my arrival home, it was like I didn't have enough time to go back to bed because I had to start work soon. So I decided oh, yeah. to just like lie on the couch and do nothing. I could have used that time to be productive, but I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. So I was <laughs> lying on the couch, like watching a video or something like that. And I heard this really loud meow. And it was like a very unusual, like almost like a yowl. Mm. Oh, like, yes. One yes. of my cats was sitting in front of me and I didn't know where the other one was. So I like oh. shut up. And I was like, what was that? And I was staring at my cat, the one that was sitting in front of me. And I heard it again, mm. but from behind me. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, that's weird. So then I called for my other cat, Zola. I was like, Zola, where are you? She pops out from behind my other cat. And then I hear the noise Whoa. again from behind me. And I was like, what? I have two cats and I can see two cats, but I can hear a third cat. So I was just confused. I, like, yelled for Janae, and I was like, Janae! I was like, where's the cat? I was like, do you hear that? <laughs> like, I can't find it. Like, I think there's another cat in here, like, looking around, so confused. And then I hear it again, but I see my cat, Salem. I see her freaking open her mouth this time. So oh. I learned that Salem can throw her voice to the what? other side of the freaking room, and I... I don't know how she does it, but that's not even how she pranked me. That was just the first prank in a series of pranks. So I was like, okay, so my cat can throw her voice. There's no additional cat in here. We just have two cats. But then... That's incredible. But then came the issue of why is Salem yowling? You know, I was like, there was relief. I was like, okay, only two cats. But then instant panic again of why is she doing this? Why is she throwing her voice? So I was like, oh, like, I think she might be hurt or something. So I, like, tried to pet her. And she was, like, running mm-hmm. away from me. She had her, like, tail between her legs. Oh. She would, like, try to, like, hide in a corner. And then she would lie on her side and, like, pant. And she was, like, oh, screaming no. like she was in pain. Yeah. And yeah. she wasn't limping or anything like that. So it wasn't, like, leg pain. There was no cuts or bumps. She wasn't licking anything. So I was really confused mm-hmm. as to what was going on. Um. So I ended up having to call, like, three vets, and all of the vets were like, no, we can't take her in. Call this person. And then I had a really awkward call with the emergency vet. I was like, hey, Mm -hmm. like, this is the situation. And they're like, okay. And I was like, so how does this work? Do I... (laughs) Do I have to make an appointment? Like, she was like, no, this is the emergency vet. It works like a human emergency department. Like, you just come. 
Oh, I did not know Thank that. Thank you for that information. <laughs> Be there soon. So hung up. She's still yowling, running all over the place. It looks like she's like straining to like <laughs> try to take a poop. She's like, Ugh, oh, you know. And so yeah, I was like, yeah, oh, so yeah. maybe there's like a digestive something going on. Yeah. So <laughs> I go into the other room. I grab the cage, the carrier, and I message work. And I was like, hey, my cat's having a medical emergency. I'm not going to mm. be in until later. And they were like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I hope she's okay. And so I take out the cage. I sit down. She's, like, lying there kind of panting but, like, not doing anything. So we're like, okay, we're going to give her 15 minutes. I eat my breakfast. Um, and then she takes a shit in the litter box and she's fine. <laughs> she's absolutely fine. <laughs> no. <laughs> No. So then I had to go crazy constipation back to work and be like, hey, I know I told you that my cat had a medical emergency, but (laughs) she actually just needed to take a shit. She's on here now. She's like panting about it, like Like throwing her She also threw up. Like she was so panicked that she started like vomiting. Oh, and I think it was just because of anxiety around the food. Yeah. Boo. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's how my cat pranked me <laughs> into thinking <laughs> Got a medical emergency. And then I took out the cage Got and all you. of a sudden she was fine. Well. She was like, I know sudden, what happens with that cage. No she's problem. like, I'm good. Yeah. Never mind. And she's been fine ever since. <laughs> that's so funny. She's like, no way in hell am I going to the vet. Like, never mind. Never well, mind. Fucking the no. sight of I'll the carrier made her this so shit nervous that the boot yeah. just... You're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm good now. Thank you for that. That's actually so funny. What a good little Band-Aid solution. Like if your, if your cat's ever having <laughs> just issues, just them. be like, make them anxious. <laughs> Cage. <laughs> Are you sure you have a problem? Is it really that <sighs> bad? <laughs> Test them to see how horrible it really is. <laughs> That's so yeah, fucking it was, funny. It was my experience. Ew. That reminds me of like today <laughs> when uh, my cat Toto, also a chonk like Salem, mm-hmm. um, came into into the living room when me and my roommate were sitting down chatting and the cat comes in and sits her ass down onto my carpet, my blue carpet. Oh, no, no, I see where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> and she does this weird ass fucking thing where she just moves her arms and then rubs her ass on the carpet. <laughs> and so she's like propelling herself forwards with her front paws and her butt is just scraping the carpet. And we were like, ah, Toto! And we scared her. And then she got up and ran away and <laughs> she must have swallowed a hair or something mm, because there was the- two poops dangling from her butthole. <laughs> That has happened to Salem as well. And we had to like get Holy a Kleenex and like so pull her out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like so grossed out because that's never happened to my cats before. Yeah. And Kayla, like she knew exactly what she was doing. She was like, she was laughing. She like went to the bathroom and like pulled them <laughs> with like the toilet paper. And then Toto ran into the other bedroom. And there's a bedroom in there with a the carpet as well. And she started running in there. And I was like, hell no. <laughs> hell no, I don't think, I don't think so. And I picked her up and I brought her back over. Oh my God. It was so funny. I'm glad Salem's okay. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Crisis Holy averted. Shit. Tell us about mm-hmm. your con, girl. Your little con, ah, yes. con lady. The heist. <laughs> well, honestly, now that I think about it, I'm like, was I being heisted, or did I get did was did I heist, or did I get heisted? Are you the heister or the heisty? 
Exactly. Hmm. Um, so basically, um, I met a guy at a bar a couple weeks ago. And um, we were talking outside the bar. And he was just like, um, telling me about how awesome I am. And he was like, I have to take you out. Like every time I would say something, he's like, oh my God, like I have to take you out, blah, 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 all this stuff. Like he was obsessed with me. And I was like, this is fucking amazing. Like, <laughs> like this is sick. And I was like, do it then. And he did. And we went out on a date and it was like a lot of fun. And we talked a lot and we had a lot in common. And he's like an entrepreneur. Mm. And I'm like, would like to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, this is great. I feel like I'm learning a lot as well as being on a date. And we like went to this cool place that had like couches and chairs and cool mood lighting. And we like started off in the chairs, but then we moved to the couch and it was like super romantic and super cute. And then um, I went home and I felt like a real city girl that night because I was just like, I'm just like in the city. I just hopped on the streetcar, didn't pay because I didn't have my presto and then hopped off two stops later. I was like, this is sick. Like, I just really, yeah, it was a really nice city experience. I just didn't want to walk two blocks and the streetcar came at the exact perfect timing and it was like the stars had aligned. Um, Anyways, so yeah, so we had like this really nice day and like this really good time. We like texted a little bit after that and then maybe a week later, um, uh we were like doing knock knock jokes back and forth to each other and then the next day um i guess that was kind of like a bonding experience and then the next day he was (laughs) he was like oh are you a fan of justin bieber and i was like yeah and i'm assuming he asked me that because my most recent post on instagram is a picture of young justin bieber and i put it up as a prank but it's been up for so long now that i think it's just a part of my identity so (laughs) um he was like yeah are you a Justin Bieber fan like um he's coming in March 25th and I was like oh yeah I'm a fan but I don't want to pay 400 bucks to go see the concert and he was like what about Tyler the Creator and I was like oh yeah I love Tyler the Creator and basically I found out that the concert was happening that night and it was five o'clock and I was like oh the concert starts at seven I was like I think that this is the perfect opportunity to get free tickets for this concert and after some fancy texting (laughs) And fancy talking, he ended up getting us tickets to the concert. And did you act surprised? Were you like, oh my God, thank you so much? I didn't know you were going to get Because I just was like being super casual about it. I was like, oh, like the concerts tonight? That would be such a good date idea. And he's like, I thought you said you were busy. And I was like, I would cancel for Tyler. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny because I remember you earlier in that week when we were recording, you were talking about how this person had asked you out and you yeah. were like i can't just do it last minute like he has to give yeah. me a heads up like i, I, I yeah. you're like i'm not doing anything but it's too last minute and then you yes. sent me a snapchat of you in a cab on your way to a concert yeah and i was confused <laughs> i was like this feels last minute i am you a specifically hypocrite yes. said, you call it you call me out i deserve it i am literally the biggest hypocrite ever i just thought yeah. it was funny i was like okay so <laughs> but you know what fair enough fair enough because it was a concert it was an opportunity for a free concert it wasn't just any date you were just like yeah i wasn't just gonna go eat dinner or something like that i was going to a concert at the acc baby it was Mm. gonna be sick (laughs) and so yeah it was fucking awesome and also it was also last minute on my terms you know what i mean i was just like i would cancel for this one thing like if we didn't go to the concert we wouldn't have gone out and i just would have gone ahead with my original plans Mm -hmm. but we both just like canceled our plans and then met up at some bar and we <laughs> I like bought a couple mini bottles of tequila and um, like one little watermelon, um, what's it called? Like a hard seltzer or a white claw. 
and like we just drank like the entire mini bottles of tequila like next to some random ass building like it literally felt like high school or something like that it was so much fun and then we booked to the concert and then I get lost I don't even fucking know how but um as I'm getting lost I'm like texting him I'm like sharing my location like I literally can't find him and I honestly think I blacked out a little bit I did not eat at all that day and then I had a full mini bottle of tequila So I was like looking for him, but I remember looking for him. And then I remember being like, okay, I can't find him right now, but I'm just going to get us both beers so that when he finds me, like it's all good. So I bought us beers and then I was standing in one location, you know, hug a tree when you're lost. So I'm hugging the tree and I finally see him walking towards me and he's holding two beers as well. So and both cute. holding two beers. <laughs> yeah, and we both like walk out to each other with the beers. And we're like, we have so many beers. And then he was like, okay, you're going to take a picture of the ticket so you don't get lost again. I was like, oh, ah. I was like, I'm spinning like a <laughs> Why couldn't he just send you a picture of the ticket if you got lost again? That's a great question. Come on, <laughs> buddy. I don't know. Thank you, brain. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Apparently, I got lost for like 30 to 45 minutes or something like that. Oh, yeah. And at the beginning, before we even got in, um, he was having trouble with finding the tickets on StubHub. Mm-hmm. And so we had to go to the box office and like this guy um, who was sitting at the box office, like we were talking to him. And I guess like since we were both a little lit, like the conversation was flowing pretty easily. And Brendan was like, don't worry, guys, like I'll figure this out. Like I do this kind of thing all the time. Like he's talking about StubHub and then like Thank his you, coworker Brendan. comes up behind him and he's like, he's like, Linda, you seen this before? And she's like, oh, I know exactly what's going on here. And they figured it out lickety split. And I was so impressed. And all I had was a dollar. And I gave him my last dollar. <laughs> I was like, thank you, Brendan. He's like, I don't accept tips. And I was like, this is for you, Brendan. I was like, this is my last dollar. <laughs> Brendan 100% this. accepted that tip just for you. Not, not yeah. for him. He was just like, all right, drunk lady. Let, let me, let me take, take this, this off. Yeah. Go, go enjoy your concert. Let me take yeah. this from you. Seriously, he was like, no, no, no. He was trying to be, at first he was like sassy. And then he was like, no, no, seriously. Like, you know, this is my job. Like, you don't need to tip me. And I was like, no, like, Brendan, this means so much to me. And then my date was like, I'm going to name my firstborn child after you, man. <laughs> you probably made Brendan's Brendan- night. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Brendan had a good night after that. And like the woman behind him who was helping was also yeah. laughing. They were both laughing. And like we ran off together and like, oh God, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Such a cute story. And then the concert happened and it was amazing. It was so amazing. It was nice to see the lighting. It was nice to be in the crowd. Yeah. I asked the guy next to me for a hit of his vape. I, <laughs> I was a little unhinged, I think. <laughs> uh, it was a lot of fun. And I watched back some of the videos. And in this one video, this is a little bit of a long-winded story. I apologize. It's okay. In this one video, um, it's like <laughs> Tyler is talking to the audience and he's like, Toronto, like you fucking suck. Like it's snowing. It was the one day that oh. it was snowing. He's like, I hate the weather here. Like the people are amazing, but the weather is like so horrible. Like why is there snow on the ground? And then he was like, but you know what? And he paused for dramatic effect. And I guess in my drunk mind, he paused for too long. So I was like what (laughs) spit it out already tyler (laughs) get on with the concert i know (laughs) and i was just cracking up when i watched that video back (laughs) why like you know how drunk me sounds (laughs) 
And then you know also, like, how cringy it is to listen back to concert videos because it's just mm. you, like, scream singing. I know. You never listen to those videos again. You're like, all right, yeah. all of these are trash. None of these. Yes. <laughs> I can hear the person that I'm exactly. supposed to hear. <laughs> <laughs> like, I won't. Yeah, yeah. It's just not a thing. But I was like, I need to, like, rewatch it because, like, I was pretty drunk. <laughs> So I was like, I'm not totally sure like what parts I remember. I remembered most of it. I do. I do remember most of it. It was just in the beginning when I was kind of lost. Like I didn't know I was lost for 30 to 45 minutes. I thought it was just 10 minutes. So I think I blacked out for about 20 to 25 minutes. I wonder what you did in those 20 minutes. I was in the bath. Oh, I know. I was throwing up in the bathroom. Yeah. Because I remember for the rest of the concert, (laughs) I was, I was breathing in like the throw up on my hair and I was like, I hope my date doesn't smell this. (laughs) it out of your hair because i didn't notice it at the time (laughs) i I thought i got it i thought i was good and i didn't notice that like a little bit had maybe gotten on it and like there was no tmi but there was no chunks or anything like it was just like the remainder Mm. it was just the reminder that it had happened did you tell him (laughs) no (laughs) good for you thank you (laughs) I don't know, like, how... I don't know how you do it, girl. You impress me. Because me, personally, if I puke, I'm done for the night. I, I'm i done. Mm. You cannot get me off of the floor if you tried your yeah. hardest. Like, yeah. I toasted. But you... Mm-hmm. You just boot and rally. I, You're rallied. Just, I you rallied so hard, bro. I went for, like, five hours after that. <laughs> and had a couple of beers. Like, it was crazy. <laughs> Oh my god! I remember like two separate occasions where you've completely passed out, and then like several hours later have texted me to be like, "Yo, where's the party? <laughs> Are we still going? <laughs> What's up, dude? You literally like wake what from your slumber and you're like, where's the party? Yeah, everyone's asleep. Like yeah. party's over. You know, it's like two thirty like, in the morning, and I'm like, I'm running resurrected." <laughs> Yeah, that <laughs> happens to me sometimes, man. It's funny. <laughs> oh, God. I just, like, come back to life, man. I don't know what it is. Oh, my God. You have a talent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a thank you. Talent. Thank you so much. Honestly, <laughs> that means a lot to me. I just love a good party, you know? <laughs> no wonder he couldn't find you. You're in the yeah, fucking washroom. Yeah, washer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally makes sense to now. You. And then like, and then when he saw me again, I looked completely normal. I just had like beers. So it looked like I was just getting beers and then yeah. I got lost or something. And I was like walking back and forth. He'll like, never know <laughs> until he listens to this podcast. <clears throat> yes. Then he will know. <laughs> but, oh, well. And yeah. If things were to work Plus, out between you guys, this would be a really cute story to tell your kids in the future. I know, right? I know, I know. Maybe in the future. We'll see. I don't think it's going to work out for now. That's a whole other story. I'm not going to tell Maybe. you guys about it. you'll get with Brandon, but... <gasps> and you'll be like, and that's how I met your mother. Yeah! <laughs> that's such a good story, dude. And I named my firstborn child after Brandon anyway, in <laughs> Brandon, recognition Brandon Jr. of the date, the date that I went on with the guy where I met Brandon. Yeah, that would be so sick. Yeah. And if it's a daughter, it can be Linda. Thank you for your services. Thank you for your services. Linda, Linda, you were there. (laughs) Thank you, Linda. You were fucking there. (laughs) Oh, my God. 
Africa. And that's the podcast, guys. <laughs> Thanks for tuning yeah, that in. That went this on week. for a while. I apologize. But I hope you guys enjoyed that. Okay. So, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. This week, you guys, I'm going to start us off and I'm going to talk about skateboarding this week. Yeah. Woo. Rock Woo-hoo. on. So, I don't know a lot about skateboarding. So, this was an entire like learning experience for me. If you do know a lot about skateboarding, then maybe this will be some new information to you yeah, because I'm going to talk a little experience. bit about like the history Ooh. and some political yeah. stuff oh. and some political other stuff. I don't think it's going to be very long, come to think of it, but that's okay. That's I fine. Our for intro a while was the intro. Long. Yeah. <laughs> fine. <laughs> Mine's not okay. very long either. Yeah. Perfect, guys. <laughs> I hope you like so, our intros. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, basically, mm. I started skateboarding last year. Mm-hmm. Over the pandemic, I bought a $150 skateboard. I was like, I am Big committed spender. to the game. Jeez. Yeah. Because I wanted to get a good skateboard. Yeah. You know, Can't I wasn't just that. out here trying to do some amateur shit. Yeah. I really, really was invested in learning. Mm-hmm. And then I stopped because it was winter. <laughs> but now spring is here. Mm-hmm. And I brought my skateboard to my new place. And I'm ready to ride it to school, ride it to Ooh, work. Ride it to school. Oh, my yeah. God. This is main yeah. character vibes. I love it. Thank you. That's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so I figured I might as well educate myself a little bit on the hobby that I'm about to get really yeah, into. Why not? So um, skateboarding, right? Yes. Um, it's kind of similar to surfing. And in the skateboarding community, there's somewhat of a debate between what came first, surfing or skateboarding. And I will just break that right now. It was surfing. Yeah, I would think it was. <laughs> yeah, so debate was over like, yeah, everyone. And I was like, no, like it's literally surfing to the point where um, some skateboarders actually call skateboarding sidewalk surfing. That's what it was called when it first like came out and stuff like that. So I... I'm not totally sure where this discourse came from that yeah. people were just like, because I think people wanted to separate skateboarding from surfing, yeah. but. So much of the skateboarding culture comes from surfing. So I think it's just like, it, I, I think it was just never, a select couple of people, not the entire. Yeah. I've never really like connected the two in my head. I always connect like skateboarding yeah. and snowboarding. Those two in yeah. my head are the exact same, but on different mediums. But I've never really connected it to surfing. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You're totally. Yeah. Me too, actually. It's the surfing um, of the landlocked cities. It is. And it was actually invented by surfers. <laughs> So basically they were, yeah, I, I really don't know. I think it was just like a select couple of people who were just mm. like, skateboarding was first. And the rest of the skateboarding community was probably like, no. okay, dude. Or no. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> they were just like, just don't pay any attention to them. But I was like, I'm focusing in on this. Um, <laughs> so um, they started off as finding something to do when the waves were down. That oh. was their original intention. They were shaka just like, shaka. we got to keep ourselves busy. Shaka, shaka. Um, so it started in the late 1950s and it was <clears throat> only a little bit popular. It didn't really take off. And then in 1963, they held like skateboarding championships like 13 years later after skateboarding was like came came to be. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of just faded away like other pastimes that like kids and teens have. Like they compared it to the hula hoop or in our time, I would compare it to the skip it. <laughs> 
What's do you remember the skip it? No. It was that thing. It was like a ring that you would put around your ankle, oh. and there was a long string and a and a a oh. ball attached to the end of the string, yeah. and you would kick it and jump with your other foot. Yeah. And you yeah. would swing the string around, and you would just jump and like yeah, that's it. That you was know literally what else the extent. Is like a lost art, the what? ripstick, which the is ripstick! a close relative to the skateboard. Oh, this- that thing was yes! so much fun. Oh, I love the ripstick. Oh, you love the ripstick too? Yeah, I, I literally ah! want to get one. I just want you a should. ripstick around my neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. it's so much fun, so much dude. Fun. It's I love I love the ripstick. You know what? You inspired me. I'm going to take my ripstick from my parents' house and I'm going to bring I'm gonna it I'm going to get a ripstick. <laughs> yeah. You should get a ripstick. Okay, a ripstick. next week, next week, we're going to be talking about our ripsticking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those things were so, so, so fun. So yeah, definitely recommend. It is a lost art though. I don't ever see people ripsticking. Now everyone's like into longboarding and like oh, penny boarding. Guys. And, like, <laughs> I don't know where it's at. Ripsticking, you don't have yeah. to push yourself. You propel yeah, yourself. Yeah, exactly. That's awkward the thing. body rolls. Yeah. Yeah. I love All you it. have to do is Amazing. awkwardly roll your body. That's it. That's it. It's good for your abs yeah. and your legs, probably. Anyways, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, anyways, anyways. Yep. Yep. So, in the 1970s was the second rebirth, we'll call it, of skateboarding. And it emerged in this place called Dogtown, California. Ooh, Dogtown. By the Zephyr skateboarding team. Um, And the Zephyr skateboarding team actually also produced a lot of famous skateboarders later on. Um, And they (laughs) owe it all to Dogtown, baby. So Dogtown was Mm -hmm. this rundown, abandoned area of West Los Angeles. And um, people called it, in quotes, literally the ruins of the American dream. (laughs) Literally (laughs) the ruins. I can tell there's a lot of surfers there. Literally the ruins. Literally (laughs) did. The ruins. Yeah. And it used to be this whole, like, waterfront amusement park, like, kind of vibe. Kind of like Ontario Place was Uh like, what? I said suburbia, question mark. Yeah. 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 Okay. And it was suburbia too, for sure, for sure, skis. And it was abandoned in 1963. Uh, mm-hmm. And then because of like some economic decline, whatever, um, it was just <laughs> left there. <laughs> and it's whatever. Who cares about the economy? And it was just left there. Yeah. So it was just left there to be abandoned for like so long. Some people mm-hmm. still live there, but they were living in poverty. And in quotes, pyromaniacs and junkies enjoyed also this place. It was a little bit of a sketchy place, but the Zephyr team called it Dirty Paradise, even though mm-hmm. it was also more of just an urban wasteland. But they believed it was paradise and they believed it was paradise because of the freedom that people had in it you could surf the abandoned streets (laughs) you can make your own signs and graffiti and nobody would take it down and as they expanded out of dogtown into the city they discovered something unique about la which is um that it's very hilly as we know (laughs) and so (laughs) um because of that they had to level out the ground using cement so they had to build cement banks which were fenced off from the public but these places actually served as the first skate parks oh cool Um, yeah i know right these little like areas of society that no one else was really using was just like used by people suddenly Hmm. and then there was also a drought in 1970 which left a lot of pools dry and that's when the dogtown kids took to the pools yeah i was like wasn't that a pool but yeah okay makes sense hell yeah and that's where they started to practice in those pools they took over those areas and they were actually risking imprisonment most of the time for trespassing but they were literally just motivated (laughs) by fun 
Like, that's it. At this time, and people were just like, oh, you might be going to jail, trespassing, blah, blah, blah. But it was literally just for fun. There was no promise in it at this time. There was no, like, celebrity skateboarders. There was no way to make money off of it, really. It was just to have, like, a good time. I would argue that... There's still not much incentive. I, I'm i not very involved in the skater community. Mm. I'm sure there's celebrities within the skater community, but as a person there outside is. of the skater community, I know zero skater celebrities. And so. that tells you a lot about how much <laughs> you have to gain from being a pro skater. <laughs> like, you're only really popular among the skaters like and then among yeah. people who are like are like groupies of skaters you know mm-hmm. like otherwise it's just kind of like an out like, your, what is yeah it's just like you're popular within your niche and like that's pretty much it mm-hmm. um but they were just basically making use of dead spaces they weren't really in anybody's way and yet trespassing is still illegal so whatever <laughs> <laughs> um this guy craig stake of skateboarder magazine in 1975 which fun fact about skateboarder magazine um since there wasn't like a lot going on in skateboarding they actually shut down twice because of bankruptcy <laughs> and reopened oh. again as skateboarding like would cl- would get good and That's bad funny. and good and bad they were just like they waiting just in the shadows the they're like it'll yeah. happen, guys <laughs> they released we'll four magazines and then they shut down and then they opened up again and then they shut down again Aww. and now i think they're back open yeah Cute. isn't that so cool but yeah as you can see not a lot of promise in skateboarding but he put it very well so i will quote now from craig mr craig um skaters make you everyday use of useless artifacts of the technological burden and employ the handiwork of the government slash corporate structure in a thousand ways that the original architects could never dream of 200 years of american technology has unwittingly made a massive cement playground of unlimited potential but only 11-year-olds can see the potential. <laughs> I know. It's so cute. <laughs> it's so cute. It also like, is so true, though. Like, we've yeah. created wastelands of concrete. What are you supposed to do for funsies when you live there's in the deep suburbs? There's literally nothing to do for funsies. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's just nothing going on. Literally at all. And the other option is to just sit at home. And a lot of people don't want to do Boring. that. They're just making use of what is already cool. here resourceful yeah. i like it i like it too <laughs> and because um skateboarders were like claiming the streets in very unique ways uh, some authors actually believed it was a little bit political even mm. though the kids doing it like didn't know that they were doing like political movements or anything like that yeah but since it was kind of countercultural, people mm. considered it also political yeah because like there was no kids. promise Exactly. And because it was just for fun, um, using the space like created for productivity to do something that doesn't have Ooh. any promise or super productive use or corporateness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <It's done>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a protest a little bit. Love and it. I love to see it. I love do. It. Right. Yeah. <laughs> However. Oh, no. It wasn't always seen as this fun self-expression, creativity, freedom thing. Even though the majority of skateboarders are very polite and very kind and very cool, you know, mm. shaka shaka, um, they try not to disrupt people's lives, but they are often portrayed as outcasts, rebels, criminals, and people who bump into old ladies on the street and don't say sorry. <laughs> That's quoting from an article. <laughs> and... Um, in the beginning of skateboarding, like when it really, after its second rebirth, so around the 1980s, like it wasn't really easy and they were often in highly populated areas and they would be trying to like land tricks and like grind down half pipes and shit like that mm. with a bunch of people around. So they used to get a lot of complaints. Um, 
And the Washington Post actually declared skateboarding as a destructive activity. And in an article, they said it should be banned from public spaces such as parking lots, driveways, and parks. Which I thought was absolutely ridiculous. Because the parking lot, like if you're not, like the parking lot is the most useless human creation ever. Like it's, okay, it's not useless, but it's useless in the way that like it doesn't need to exist if we didn't invent the other useless invention, which is cars. Yeah, like uh, structure our society so that everybody needs a car. Yeah. And now we have these wide open spaces and all it is is storage for our little wide open spaces <laughs> for our little problem that we created ourselves. And these people are just trying to use it in a fun and creative fun. way. And yet they're like parking lots like, you know, that's a public space. Like it's public good. We don't need any hooliganism in the parking lots. But they're just why not making use Who of the parking lot. Too? Like who's in the parking lot that they're disturbing? Thank you. Somebody parking their car. They're going to move out of the way of the moving car. Yeah, car versus skateboard. Like, they're not that. Ah. (laughs) Suicidal. Jesus Christ. Um, So the police started issuing tickets and fines when they saw people skateboarding. Skateboarders began uh, to be treated like criminals. Um, And it led to the popularization of the slogan, skateboarding is not a crime. And this is still pretty popular. Yeah. And so it's like this sticker, skateboarding is not a crime with like this (laughs) circle and a cross through it. Um, It's a sticker. It was branded on t-shirts. It was like... It was just a very kind of popular thing at the time. And even in like 2015, it was still pretty kind of popular and pretty mainstream to be like skateboarding is not a fucking crime. Like chill. So what they started to do, um, they started to do uh, what's it called? Hostile architecture no! against skateboarders. <laughs> <laughs> so they created vertical dividers on benches, rough textured surfaces, window ledge spikes, Doorway, sprinklers, obstructive blocks, restrictive chains. Doorway sprinklers. Yeah. Is that something that sprays water at you if you get close to a doorway? <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> what, what a doorway like. sprinkler is. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Oh, my God. Maybe, oh, uh, maybe it's those poles that stand in front of doors sometimes. Oh, maybe. Like, yeah. maybe those are the doorway sprinklers so that it doesn't, like, you don't get too close to the door or something and hit someone <sighs> on the way. I don't know. Freaking hate So. Um, and then they would start like scattering gravel everywhere because if you hit gravel, you like die. you can't skate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'll straight up dead, dude. Dead. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, that's a yeah. little bit much. I know it's a little fucking crazy. And then this um, thing called the Skate Stopper, which was an mm-hmm. anti-skateboarding bump created by Chris Loray, was added onto handrails ledges and other street furniture to distur- to deter skateboarding from multiple sites and this guy was actually a very hated enemy across the entire skateboarding community because he was profiting off of skateboarding and everyone in the skateboarding community is just like they're just doing it for fun they're not doing it for profit and he was yeah. profiting off of the skateboarding community and oh. they were like what the fuck is wrong with you How bro was he, profiting? So, he was selling the skate stoppers oh shit yeah mm-hmm yeah, he was selling this like technology, I guess to you could call it, but uh, this urban design idea. Yeah, to stop people from skateboarding on handrails, ledges, and other street Ew. furniture. Yeah, <laughs> Ew, <laughs> is that insane? Been. And by 2015, there was over one million skate deterrents installed in over 10,000 locations. Former U.S. President George Bush once <laughs> said, "Just thank God that they don't have guns." <laughs> 
I I agree. So far. (laughs) No one should have a gun. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. (laughs) Wait, that who doesn't have guns? The kids skateboarding or the people trying to stop the skateboarders? Or all the kids skateboarding, like he, or maybe both of them. It didn't specify, but it sounded like the in the context, it sounded like he said yeah. it against the skateboarders. He was like, "Thank God the skateboarders don't have guns, because then who knows what these people are gonna do to our society?" Crazy. Oh, what? George Bush? I'm pretty sure you had bigger issues to deal with. First of all, <laughs> yeah. That's Second of thing. all, oh, so the stupid. skateboarders, right? skateboarders are such a small. Are. Yeah. Yeah, thank God they don't have guns. Like, maybe just make... Anyways, that's a but whole But you thing. did. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the skateboarders began to protest. They blocked streets, they got media attention, and they wanted access to public spaces, and they wanted to just more skate parks because the people were trying to ostracize them from regular-ass society so yeah. much. Like, skateboarders just want to skate. Yeah, just give <laughs> them somewhere to skate. That's all they fucking like, want. skate in yeah. the park, give them somewhere to skate. <laughs> to do their activity like there's so much useless things everywhere useless useless fucking stairs useless this useless that just give them a little piece of useless space and just let them fucking skate be like this is an old (laughs) factory go ham yeah go for it we don't use this (laughs) stairway anymore (laughs) right it would be so fucking easy anyway so um the establishment still saw sidewalk surfing as a practice that challenged conformity um as it should Yes, I agree. And honestly, um, a lot of people in the skateboarding community think that skateboarders were just kind of easy targets and almost mm. scapegoats for the bigger issues in society, such as murderers, robbers, <laughs> serial killers. They were like, you can't catch you can't catch those people, but skateboarders, you can see that they are skateboarding. Yeah. Like, you can see that they are committing a crime. And so they're easier to committing kind of catch. And they're crime. What crime? Public, I don't know. Public disturbance, trespassing, like... Just things that are stupid and that are fine. <laughs> like, if you're... No, they're not ruining anything. They can they're just not. trespass just to trespass. Fun, which is what stupid. you're supposed to do in parks. You're supposed to have yeah. fun. <laughs> they're designed for fun. Yeah. For leisure activities. That's stupid. But they don't like to see leisure happening, dude. They're like, this is not a place for leisure. This is this is a public building. This is a government building. You can't be just leisuring around. Don't leisure here. Yeah. We don't want to see you leisuring. We want to see you working. So, yeah, people really didn't like it. And then, um, thank God, things have started to turn around. Um, (laughs) um, Things slowly started getting better. Um, People, authorities, like, because skateboarding took a really long decline for a really long time because there was nowhere to skate anymore. Like, Mm. so things had to get built back up again. And now, like, authorities people in general are starting to realize that skateboarders literally just want to skate um this like rebellious in quotes activity is not seen as a public crime anymore (laughs) in the eyes of the population thank god yeah um (laughs) not be yeah and so um this article was also saying that in a way similar to what had occurred with its older brother surfing ostracization gave way to recognition because people used to think that surfers were beach bums and, you know, whatever. Blah, Why does blah. society just hate people having fun so much? I know. They're like, right? they see somebody enjoying themselves. And they're like, that is illegal now. <laughs> that must be bad. That yeah. thing is illegal. <laughs> I know. I don't know what right? you're doing, so but you're having fun. Mean. Stop. That's so rude. No fun allowed. Um, so... <laughs> 
<laughs> and now there is like kind of uh, celebrations around skateboarding. There's one celebration slash day called Go Skateboarding Day, an Ooh. initiative to promote a healthy outdoor lifestyle via skateboarding. Um, yeah, so now people are spending so much time inside that they're like, uh, they might as well be hooligans on the street if it means that they'll be healthy and happy. <laughs> um, and about the culture a little bit. Um, I was looking up like skateboarding culture blah 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 and I saw this one quote which was really kind of nice it said that skateboarding teaches various skills such as overcoming pain coordination and the ability to focus during moments of fear Mm. it's the ultimate meditative state and it throws skateboarders perspective of their spatial surroundings into sharp relief pretty sick sharp relief is that the is that a little emo (laughs) <laughs> are yeah, they talking definitely. about the pain or are they like definitely it has a lot of roots in punk so, <laughs> so yeah probably <laughs> sharp relief like, um feels so good sharp relief i felt <laughs> oh god oh the pain <laughs> <laughs> skaters are individuals who value individuality creativity freedom they are known for unrelenting dedication to progressing the sport as a whole instead wow. of trying to one-up each other they often encourage fellow skaters Aww. and they embrace individuality and they have like very non-competitive kind of sportsmanship where they're just like you do what you do with your board like as long as you're skateboarding like it doesn't really matter how good you are how bad you are like anyone is welcome I love it. it's kind of fucking awesome <laughs> yeah and then um So I think the last thing that I'm going to cover here, because I think it might be a little obvious, um, is its influence on fashion. So the streetwear, skaterwear, it is fucking everywhere. Celebrities are wearing skater fashion. Avril Lavigne. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Been waiting for you to mention her. The he queen. was a skater boy. She said, see you later, boy. He wasn't oh. good enough for her. The Dude, ultimate she, skater girl. Oh, my God. Like, I should have just made the entire opinion just about that song because she was defending yeah, the skater boy. She was. In the end, she because the girl didn't see his worth he was because like, she, she was, was like, just a skater boy. skater boy. With Schmuck. baggy clothes. Yeah. Exactly. But skater boys embrace individuality. They're creative. They're yeah. free. And they're like, passionate. They're literally boy. just no, doing it because it. they like it. Yeah. Ugh. I'll be I'll backstage be. after the show. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's fucking go. Like, she, yeah. So I think actually she might have spearheaded this entire thing without me even realizing it. But <laughs> um, brands such as Huff and Supreme have their roots in skateboarding. And same with Vans, obviously, uh, Thrasher and, yeah, Thrasher, obviously, Thrasher. Thrasher is actually a skateboarding term. Um, it means someone who is fucking gnarly at skateboarding. Gnar. No, yeah, dude. it was actually a magazine first, and then it turned into kind of a brandy type of thing. Oh, cool. <laughs> Excuse me, sorry. <laughs> Whew, I, like, had, like, a sip of red wine, and I don't know why, but I thought oh. I was going to throw up, so I'm going to stop drinking it. <laughs> Oh, makes some PTSD from <laughs> yeah <laughs> so okay, guys, she can boot um rally. the skate yeah i can <laughs> boot and rally baby <laughs> the skateboarding style um is kind of defined by like vintage tees big t-shirts graphic t-shirts big graphics on the t-shirts baggy pants uh baggy shorts sometimes a beanie sometimes not long socks flat shoes comfortable 
durable and a little bit of punk because skateboarding was kind of happening at the same time as punk was happening. And uh, one of the nice things about skateboarding, which a lot of people really liked, is that it didn't have a uniform, which Mm -hmm. allowed everybody to have some self-expression because like other sports have uniforms, you know, tennis, you have to wear a certain thing. Golf, you can't show your shoulders like soccer. (laughs) My bad, my bad, my bad. (laughs) It's a game. It's a game. (laughs) Um, Soccer, you need to wear like a specific. Well, I guess for skating, you need to wear specific shoes, too, but you could wear like you know, you don't need to. And yeah. you need to wear like a jersey and you need to wear like, like specific shorts. Comfy to you for skating. Exactly. Exactly. It's whatever you're comfortable in. Whatever, you know, if you fall or something, it's like these are your skate pants now kind yeah. of thing. Like ripped jeans, that kind of thing. Um, so this also let businesses have like creative freedom because of that. So Supreme started off as a brand for skaters by skaters. Aww. And yeah so cool right and huff as well to this day still releases skater stuff and they like to say that we take care of our skaters first because huff right now has kind of transitioned into like snow sports and like um also like weed stuff too (laughs) no relation (laughs) maybe (laughs) um but they like to take care of their skaters first um and now the big brands are starting to catch on. Nike's uh, SB Dunk flat-soled shoe was cute for boarders back in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. And people caught on to the aesthetic and they were like, this is actually a cute shoe. It's not only good for skateboarding. And now this shoe is vintage and it sells for like $2,500. <laughs> I know. And people Jeez. probably don't even wear it because it's vintage. They probably just yeah. put it up on a shelf oh somewhere God. and they're like, vintage shoes. Yeah. There's like a lot in the sneaker business. Celebrities are all wearing skate-inspired clothing. Justin Bieber, Rihanna. I threw in Billie Eilish, too, because I feel like she has some skater boy type of vibes. Avril Lavigne, of course. Of course. Um, (laughs) And Louis Vuitton is actually starting to enter the skater beer gear world. Yeah, high end, but it's a little bit controversial. Yeah. Because they're expensive. The skater shoes are fucking expensive and, like, brandy, and they probably won't be used for skateboarding. Because it doesn't make sense for skaters to buy million dollar, thousand dollar shoes. And so the authenticity comes into question because if the skaters aren't buying the skate clothes. Who is it for? Capitalism. (laughs) So it dulls dulls it a little bit, a little bit dulls it down. So some of the skateboarders uh, don't love it. I think in the end, though, people who skate will still be buying skate clothing and they're just like at the heart of it. Trends come and go skateboarding is forever beautiful <laughs> love it <laughs> and that is the conclusion <laughs> i like never knew anything about skateboarding yeah so me neither dude I appreciate that. that's so cool now i like i don't know if i want to start skateboarding but i'm interested in skateboarding now me too. I just like I'm I so love excited. any it's so cool space that's like a non-competitive space. Me too. Just accepting uh, yeah. everyone's vibes. My favorite. I hate competitive spaces, so it sounds just yeah. like a really nice, sick community. I totally I'm agree. For that, and it's anti-capitalist. Yeah. Anti-productivity. <laughs> love it. Yeah. All about it. It's on brand for life, man. It's great. <laughs> guys welcome to the second half of the podcast where i'm talking about my 
there is a bit of an opinion in here. Opinion. Uh-huh. And it's that we need to be concerned. Because oh. we are on the brink <laughs> of a banana crisis. And nobody, nobody's talking about it. I had no idea. Me neither. And I had no idea. <laughs> I was this. Okay. Forewarning. This opinion starts one place. It goes somewhere else. And then it goes somewhere else. And then it comes back. But let me just walk <laughs> you through what happened here. I was initially researching banana flavoring, which I'll go through because there's this whole thing about banana flavoring, but the Mm. banana flavoring ties into the fact that there is a wider crisis that we're experiencing. So it's a little all over the place, but I don't promise you. I think it'll come together. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see what happens. That's so cool. Yeah. We're going to start with the banana flavoring, Okay. Okay. Now, banana flavoring. It's delicious. We love it. Some of us love Yay. it. I love it. I like it. Um, but it doesn't taste like bananas. <laughs> That's true. That's actually so true. <laughs> it's good. When we taste it, you're like, mm, this is a piece of candy that is banana. But it tastes nothing like a banana. But we all know it as banana. And like, oh, it's not, you know, that's kind of weird. Why, wow. why doesn't banana flavoring taste like banana? And there's actually a very good reason for this. So... At the beginning of the 20th century, bananas looked very different. Our grocery stores Mm. were selling a different type of banana. It was called Gros Mikel, or as most people call it, Big Mike. So I'm going to refer to it as Big Mike. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So that was the banana that was sold in the majority of the grocery stores in, uh, quote unquote, the developed world. And... Mm. This banana, Big Mike, was a lot fatter, it was a lot bigger, and it had a lot more flavor. Tasted oh. real good, real strong. Um, oh, so yeah, it was kind so of the cool. top dog back in the day. And then unfortunately, mm-hmm. there was this disease called the Panama disease, a plant, oh, plant no. disease, not human disease, um, that showed up in the 1800s, but came big in the 1960s and started mm-hmm. completely ripping through Big Mike. Oh, destroyed Big Mike. So sad. So there was a little, a mini crisis there. But luckily, they discovered that there was another banana Mm -hmm. called the Cavendish banana that seemed to be resistant to this disease, to the Panama disease. So as Big Mike was being wiped out, they were replanting all of the bananas with Cavendish bananas. And they were able to plant it in the same soil. Without seemingly any effects of the Panama Ooh, thing. Nice. Panama thing. Panama disease. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it quickly replaced it. And today, over 99% of banana exports to the developed world are the Cavendish banana. Wow. Cool. It did well. It survived. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very cool. But there is a huge issue with this. And we'll get back to the banana flavoring in a minute, but let's talk about the issue. So, unfortunately, okay. the Cavendish banana is a sterile crop, so it can only be reproduced through transplanting, not through seeds. So, oh. this means that there is zero genetic diversity in the Cavendish oh. plant. Every single banana today is a descendant from one banana that oh. was grown in the Derbyshires, which is like an estate house, 180 years ago. They're all a clone of this one banana. No <laughs> fucking way. That's so cool. Uh, 
So this place, <gasps> this estate house, um, had pretty much like always grown bananas. It was a big thing. It was a big way to, I guess, show off their wealth that they could grow bananas in the UK. Um and in 1830, the head gardener got his hands on, like, a special specimen that was imported especially for him from um, Mauritius. And he called it the Musa Cavendishi? I? It's the Latin name. I don't know. Latin. Uh, okay. okay. Um, and it was named <laughs> after his employers, whose family name were was Cavendish. And... Mm-hmm. He planted this plant, he cared for it and everything, and suddenly it started producing, like, over 100 bananas at once, which was, like, unheard of. He even won an award in the state fair for growing so many bananas. That's so cool. (laughs) So he was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. So he ended up sending this Cavendish plant to Samoa um, and to the Pacific and Canary Islands along with missionaries, which, you know missionary sock but (laughs) in this way it was kind of spread around the world but big mike was still like a big deal at this time so it wasn't Mm. really you know it was just kind of like people were aware of it it was on people's radar it wasn't a big thing and then panama disease came wiped out everything and they're like oh shit we have this cool other banana awesome all right now let's talk about what kind of issues happens when there's no genetic diversity no genetic diversity this means that if a disease figures out how to kill one Cavendish banana. Oh my god. It will wipe out the entirety of our banana crops. Ah. Uh, <laughs> to add oh to the anxiety a bit. Oh my god. In 2019, the Panama disease was found on a Cavendish banana. No. So. No freaking way. What's that bitch doing back here? Right? God. It has we thought figured we got rid out. of you. We thought we were immune. It has figured out how to no. infect the Cavendish plants. <gasps> so we, my friends, are on the brink of a <laughs> banana crisis. Oh, and nobody's God. talking about it. I'm never going to be able to eat a banana again I don't in know. a couple of years. I don't know because it wiped out everything else. And the Panama disease is also resistant to fungicides. So you can't kill it once you find it. Like you have to destroy the crops and try to contain it. It's like the only option here. And so they're trying to do that, um, trying to, like, destroy crops where it's detected. But this is really difficult when banana plants are often grown in poorer countries and a lot of people living in poverty rely on it for their income. You can't just go up to them and say, hey, destroy every single one of your income generating crops. So they can't destroy it. Um, so they're, like, in labs trying to create a Panama disease-resistant strain of bananas. Oh, my God. I hope they can. <laughs> Me, too. <gasps> <gasps> so, That's so insane. I don't know. Uh, every banana I eat might be my last banana. Not because <laughs> I'm dying, but because the bananas are going to be gone if we don't figure out how to cure Panama. Oh, my God. <laughs> i so glad you're having this reaction because this was my reaction last night. I just went in to find out about banana flavoring and I was like, there's a really big issue going on I'm here. I'm like on the brink of tears, man. Like, I don't want the bananas to stop. 
And you know what? I haven't been appreciating bananas for a really long time now. I've been like, nah, bananas are like just okay. Like they don't really fill me up. The mm-hmm. flavoring is just okay. Like I'm not like super obsessed with bananas, but now I feel like I'm going to go through a banana thing because if I can never eat it again, because it's going to die, then I'm going to want to get as much of it as I possibly could. That's the other thing. I had a similar reaction, but my reaction was I got really like big FOMO because I never got to try Big Mike. And apparently yeah, Big Mike tasted too. really good. It had a lot more flavor. And I never mm. got to experience Big Mike because of the freaking Panama What if the next banana has even less flavor? Yeah, it's going to taste like a mushy oh, plant. The bananas are just going to get worse and worse. Maybe our children won't know what, what, bananas this, are. what the cave and dish banana tasted like. They'll have a different banana. We'll be like, it's just not the same. You'll never know, kid. You'll never know. That's so fucking sad. Yeah. That's crazy. I hope they're close to finding how how to like genetically mutate so that we could fight against Panama disease. Like, yeah, this is a way bigger issue. We should be funding a lot of money into this Where research. Where are the campaigns? Yeah, I've, I've never bananas. heard of this in my life. I didn't know that we were on the Elon brink of Musk. banana extinction. Why aren't you creating a bigger new banana? Food. Oh my god. Create the new banana. That's um, so fucking crazy. Yeah. Pretty wild. But to kind of um, backtrack away from that a little bit, back to the flavoring. Okay. Because they all do tie into each other. Okay. Um, <laughs> artificial banana flavoring tastes nothing like bananas. That is because right. banana flavoring was created based off of the um, flavor profile of Big Mike. Really? <laughs> yeah. So it comes down to one chemical oh. compound. It's called isomyl acetate. And this is where the banana flavor comes from. And they have done studies on Big Mike compared to Cavendish. And Big Mike contains a whole lot of this isomyl acetate. And Cavendish mm-hmm. doesn't. So that's why your banana flavoring tastes nothing like bananas. It does taste wow. like bananas. It tastes like Big Mike bananas, who was destroyed by the Panama disease. And that's why you don't know what bananas taste like. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's so sad. So all we have left of Big Mike is just this flavoring. Yeah. Moment of silence <laughs> for Big Mike. <laughs> Moment of silence for Big Mike and for the flavoring that we're experiencing. That's crazy. Damn, that banana would have been so, so good. Good. Right? <laughs> yeah. I just want a Big Mike banana now. Yeah, banana flavoring. Damn, because the banana flavoring is like way better than bananas. So good. In my so personal good. opinion, you know what's crazy though? They could literally just inject anything into the into the banana flavoring and be like, "Yep, that's what Big Mike used to taste like." We'll be none the wiser. It's true. They could be none making us, us feel even more FOMO for the Big Mike flavor, and then we'll because get our hands on Big Mike and be like, "We'll never know." Yeah, what exactly. Is this? Mm. Crazy. It's a thought. Could taste completely. Different. A lot of people have had this thought too. Some people think that this is a myth, and it's just a really poorly done artificial flavor. And <laughs> <laughs> Big Mike. <laughs> Wow, some people really don't like banana flavoring, huh? (laughs) Like, no, it's just garbage. (laughs) Okay. And now, this research kind of brought me down another rabbit hole, which is how the artificial flavoring industry tricks us into thinking things taste like things. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting. So they basically use your senses. And now, one of the things that they do is they trick us with colors. Human brains are so dumb. We see colors and we're like... 
Yes. It must be it. Yeah, tasting. Yeah. So, oh my god. I yeah, yeah. This is just a quick yeah. quick tangent. Yeah. Um yesterday or a couple days ago, um my roommate came home with McDonald's and she was like, "Do you want some of this drink?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And like, it's McDonald's. I have no idea what's in it. And I like took a sip and I was like, "I honestly have no idea what that was." <laughs> like, I know it was pop, but mm. I don't know what it was. It was Coca-Cola. But I had no, I literally could not tell you what it was. Honestly, and when it comes to like fountain drinks, sometimes they do all taste the same. Yeah. Yikes. It's just kind of watery, kind of just fizzy. Like, yeah. And because I didn't it see the color. It was Coke. It been it. Yeah. It's Coke. <laughs> Might be. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So there's been like a couple of interesting um, studies done on how like colors affect our perception. So in one of these studies, they had two drinks. One was 10% less sweet than the other, and it was red. And the other one was more sweet, and I don't know what color it was, but it wasn't red. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Maybe just, like, clear. (laughs) Yeah, and they were asked to drink them and then identify which one was the less sweet one. And the participants were more likely to choose the one that wasn't red, even though it was the one that was red. Just because it was red, people perceived it to be more sweet. That's really cool. There's another. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, it's okay. I'm just thinking like, yeah, for sure. uh, I am that person. (laughs) (laughs) And there's another time where this is kind of related to the story that you just had. Um, Coca-Cola changed their packaging as a promotional thing, and they changed Mm. it to white instead of red. And customers got mad because (laughs) they literally thought they had changed the formula. But they didn't. They just changed the label. But people thought it tasted so differently because it didn't have the red label that they were like, fuck you, Coca-Cola. I'm not drinking this. This sucks. Yeah. Oh, that's so crazy. People were like, what's with this new Coke? Like, they must have changed something. And Coca-Cola was like, no. It's just the label. Save the polar bears. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, In another study, uh, they found that people, if people drank hot chocolate out of an orange mug, it made them think that they were drinking richer hot chocolate. So it made the flavors like more intense and deeper. Uh, oh, Which is whoa. cool. Like if you yeah. buy cheap hot chocolate, just buy an orange mug. Have them solved. <laughs> and you'll be like, mmm, the flavors are so immaculate. <laughs> but drinking it out of like a white paper cup probably yeah. dulls the experience it's not a the vibe. No. Not the vibe. Stop. <laughs> Uh, people rated desserts to be 10% sweeter that were served on round white plates and rated it to be less sweet if they were served on square dark plates. What? The same dessert. That's so cool. Yeah. Wow. That's so sick. Our brains are so really dumb, in control. Powerful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't have any control over our perception, man. Like, that's so insane. We're so easily tricked. <laughs> I know. Holy shit. Um, and then in another one, people who were served green cherry flavored drink thought they were actually drinking lime drinks. Oh, yeah. They just were like, that's a lime drink. And the researchers yeah. were like, no. It's literally <laughs> cherry flavored. No, dum dum. <laughs> that is cherry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) This is something that I had no idea existed. The colors one makes sense to me, right? I feel like Mm -hmm. I've experienced that in my life too. But the sounds of food also tricks us into flavors. 
So apparently, uh, okay. as humans, we can actually tell if a drink is hot and hot or cold when it's being poured based on the sound of the liquid being poured wow. into the cup because it has different vis- viscosities, and we can we just know that apparently. We just have I'm trying to think about the, the sounds and to understand. that's really cool. And now what? there's this what water's coming from the sink. I feel like I, I, I think have to they're test talking. It. They're talking about like boiling water versus freezing cold water. If it's oh, not okay. too much of a difference, I don't think you okay. can tell. Okay, 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 okay. Actually, I think I think I uh, yeah. Okay, I think that actually does mm-hmm. hold water. I think that is true. Poor yeah. <laughs> <laughs> boy. Yeah. And now there's this one crazy that's story so where there was this two Michelin starred chef fancy he had two not one oh, um, okay. his wow. name is denick martin and he came up with this frozen gin and tonic cocktail that was basically mm-hmm. served in this like frozen sphere but he found that without the sound of carbonation half of the flavor was taken away from it so what he did uh, is uh, he had a carbonation soundtrack that he played in the restaurant while what? people were enjoying this creation. What? And it made up for the loss of flavor without the carbonation just being able to hear it. <laughs> what? Isn't that crazy? Like, oh. <laughs> My life is a lie. <laughs> Literally. That's so insane. Just like the white noise of carbonation. Like, like mm. It's like smooth jazz and then like... <laughs> That's so fucking cool. It's wild. Wow. Life hack for restaurants right there. (laughs) Literally. Just trick people into thinking your food is good. Take notes. White round plates for dessert. Carbonation soundtracks. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Orange for chocolate things. Yes. You can figure it out. Wow. That's so fucking cool. Oh, my God. Yeah. On top of that, the sound of crunch tricks people into thinking a food is fresh, even if it's stale. Mm. Oh, crunchy versus squishy. Um, Yeah, true. Ambient lighting, background noise, and background music have all been shown to influence our flavor perceptions. Oh my god! Additionally, textures, foods that are hard to chew and have rough textures, people perceive them as healthier. And on top of that, if a food is branded as healthy, people think it tastes worse. Oh, L O L. L O freaking L. Yeah. They're like, ew, it's yeah. healthy. It's, it's, yeah, it's okay. But then if it's not branded as healthy, they're like, yum. Mm, that was delicious. delicious. <laughs> I've never had Brussels sprouts like that before in my life. <laughs> wow, dude. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Wow. I never realized how important restaurant environments were until like right now. Like everything is so, so important. Like you turn down that lighting. You turn up that music. Yeah. Like you get that comfy chair. Like that's so fucking crazy. (gasps) Wow. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. And now I'm sure a lot of you are like, these are cool facts, but what (laughs) does this have to do with the banana crisis? Yes, that did cross my mind once or twice. (laughs) And when it comes down to it, we might lose our bananas. But it's okay. (laughs) Because we can just trick our brains into thinking (laughs) we still have them. (laughs) And that is a big thank you to capitalism. Mm. (laughs) 
you're saying that if all of our bananas go extinct mm-hmm. and we just never dye hear about yellow. it, yeah, dye things yellow, make them new mushy. banana. Mm-hmm. No one will notice. No one will know <laughs> that it's a completely different banana. Yeah, as long as most of the same. I honestly think stay so. The same. Yeah, wow. I think we could make a banana and inject it with our artificial banana flavoring, mm-hmm. and I don't think people would notice. I think, I think be you're like, yeah, this is this onto is, something. This is a really yummy banana. Wow, bananas so just taste better to these know days. A banana-less world. That gives so me there's hope. a crisis, but it's okay. <laughs> Daddy capitalism got it covered for you. Yeah. You just make it's fake ones. <laughs> yeah, fake bananas, but you won't know they're fake. You'll think they're real. And you will be happy. Or maybe they're already fake. Yeah, they honestly could be. I would have no idea. I don't eat enough bananas for (laughs) sure. (laughs) Wow. And that was so cool. That's how I tied it all together. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, that fucking killed me. (laughs) What does this have to do with bananas? Even if they go extinct, (laughs) we can just fake it. Oh my god, that's so good. <laughs> very nice. Very, very Thanks. nice. That's me. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh. Okay, I actually do feel better about the banana crisis. There I'm not going to lie. It's not a big like, deal okay. anymore. We're like, okay, it's whatever. Fine. Our yeah. brains are stupid anyways. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> they won't actually know if bananas are different or not. Mm-hmm. How will they know? They won't know. <laughs> Wow. <clears throat> so we could technically have a Big Mike banana if yeah. they figure out how to inject yeah. it. Maybe Big we, Mike they could bring make back a comeback. Big Mike. Yeah. yeah. Artificial <laughs> Big Mike. Yay. Holy and shit. McDonald's can fund it because it's like the Big Mac. Big Mike. Ooh, that's a good idea. Their healthy alternative. The banana. The Big Mike. <laughs> just sell bananas. <laughs> oh my god. Holy shit. The banana freaking crisis. The more you know, the sadder you are. (laughs) The more anxiety you have. Yeah, seriously. Wow. Okay, cool. Looking forward to it. Can't wait for science to figure that one out. I wonder if science will ever get lazy. They're like, we're tired of. Just let them die. Yeah. Let them die. Why do we need to trick the masses? We don't deserve it. Bananas. Mm-hmm. <gasps> we killed the... I mean, I guess we didn't kill the banana. Uh, yeah, that disease has been around for a while. The Panama disease killed the banana. Mm-hmm. But our stupidity mm-hmm. killed the banana. <laughs> yeah. And they're all bananas the same banana. No. Oh. Dumb. No think. Just profit. No think. All right, guys, and that brings us to the end of the podcast. Uh, thank you all for listening along with us this week. Thanks for mm-hmm. listening to Lydia's opinion about skateboarding. Mm-hmm. I hope Skirt. you all go skateboarding now. I hope you all got Yay. the itch to go skateboarding or rip sticking. That's the community yeah. that Lydia and I are starting. If you want to join <laughs> it, it's also a cool community, non-judgmental. <laughs> Just rip stick with us oh. down the road. Freaking rip it, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so let us know if you want to join. And 
Thank you for listening to my opinion about the banana crisis. I hope y'all are a little bit more aware now, not living in ignorance. Bananas. Savor every last <laughs> bite of banana. You never it know. It could be your last. It could be last. <laughs> Unless you know that you have more in the fridge, then it's not your last. But when is your last? You'll know. Yeah. Or you won't know. I don't know. Anyways. Oh, no more um, banana bread. <laughs> Anyways, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want to let us know what you think, you can head over to our Instagram, which is very dot unimportant dot people. You can um, find us on Twitter. We're V unimportant PPL. You can also email us if you feel like it. And that's yeah. haters click here. That's H eight T R S click here at gmail.com. Uh, we are on TikTok. Please yes, join please. us on TikTok. It's literally the most fun platform that we're on. So yeah, go find us. <laughs> 100%. And yes, you're gonna love it. Patreon, we're there too. Find us. Check it out. Instagram profile. Link tree. Link tree. Big button that says Patreon. Get your credit card out. It's only four dollars. <laughs> Give us money. Yeah. <laughs> four dollars, please. Not much. No. And that's it for us this week. <laughs> I hope you have a great.